Today is Monday, Thursday. Comes from the Latin mandatum, command. The night that Jesus gave his disciples the command that they were supposed to love one another. On this day, almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples and then instituted the Lord's Supper, giving his disciples his body and blood, even though he hadn't been crucified. These last days of Holy Week, we see Jesus crucified, dead, and buried. Last Monday, Drew emphasized how the specific details of Old Testament prophecy were fulfilled in the suffering and death of Jesus in a remarkable fashion. He spoke of the prophecy of the Old Testament prophet Zechariah that their king would come to them lowly, riding on a donkey, the colt, the foal of the donkey, and how this was fulfilled on Palm Sunday. But Zechariah also spoke of the fact that an individual would throw 30 pieces of silver into the house of the Lord for the potter's field. Think of Judas. But think of the uh, details that David laid out in Psalm 22, thousand years before they happened. Began, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Taking us back to the cross. The psalmist goes on then, as the, he pictures the people gathered around the cross, mockingly crying out, he trusted in the Lord, let him rescue him. How that was fulfilled. And it goes on, they pierced my hands and feet. They divided my garments among them. For clothing they cast lots. In remarkable detail, these prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus' suffering and death. We've been looking at Isaiah 53 and the prophet's remarkable description, not only of what would happen to the suffering servant of the Lord, but why it had to happen. Isaiah said, we esteemed him stricken, afflicted of God. But then he also pictures not only the physical details of Jesus' suffering, but why this had to happen. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was wounded for our transgressions. The punishment that brings us peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. But this morning, we want to concentrate on a detail that the prophet Isaiah brings out later in this chapter, chapter 53, concerning Jesus' burial. Sometimes we confess the Apostles' Creed so often that we forget about the individual words, phrases, and their meanings. How often have you thought about the significance of the words crucified, dead, and now especially buried? Why did the Apostles' Creed emphasize the burial 
of Jesus. In our text of in verse 8 of Isaiah 53, the prophet says, He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. But then he goes on in verse 9. And he made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Fast forward 700 years to Golgotha, Skull Hill, that hill outside Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified. Isaiah emphasizes the importance of the detail of Jesus' burial. As a criminal, Jesus deserved the burial of a criminal. And it was a custom among the Jews that a criminal would be given a dishonorable burial or perhaps even no burial at all. It's possible that the bodies of those two thieves, malefactors, killed with Jesus were simply tossed into a ravine on Golgotha. And some think this is maybe why the hill got its name, Skull Hill. And if the Jews would have had their way, the same would have happened to Jesus. But you know the rest of the story. A certain man named Joseph of Arimathea, a secret follower of Jesus and a rich man, took this opportunity to reveal himself as a follower of Jesus. Risking his own life, he went to Pilate and asked for permission to bury Jesus' lifeless body. Pilate couldn't believe that he was dead already. But later in the Friday afternoon, about 3 o'clock, Jesus died, summoned the soldier and verified that Jesus was indeed dead. So Joseph and Nicodemus took Jesus' lifeless body from Golgotha and placed it into that new tomb, that cave hollowed out for Joseph of Arimathea. A tomb only a rich man could afford. And then, to make sure that there was no hanky-panky, the Jews requested that Pilate place a guard outside that tomb after the stone had been rolled shut, the seal put on it, and the soldiers stood guard. So as emphasized by Isaiah in our text, even though he was died as a criminal, he made his grave with the rich. And the burial of Jesus, as Isaiah said, was a declaration by God of his innocence. Jesus had paid for the sins of the world when he cried out on the cross, it is finished. And all that remained was for that stone to be rolled away. And on Easter Sunday morning, Jesus would come out 
of the grave. The burial of Jesus was a testimony to his innocent suffering and death, but also to his triumphant victory over sin and death. Paul also emphasized the importance of Jesus' burial. 1 Corinthians 15, the Easter chapter, the resurrection chapter, when he tells the Corinthians that he proclaimed the gospel to them. And he emphasized what this entailed. He says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, as promised in the Old Testament, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, in fulfillment of God's plan and God's promise. So this Holy Week, don't just observe Monday, Thursday and Good Friday, but think of the importance of Holy Saturday. Jesus was buried. But the victory had been won, and the grave could not hold him. Remember God's plan, God's purpose, God's promises fulfilled in connection with the death and resurrection of your Savior, Jesus Christ. We continue with him. 190 stanzas 5, 6, and 7. Hymn 190 stanzas 5 through 7. <laughs> 